This is Defenders TV Podcast, episode 148, about Jessica Jones, season 2, episode 10, aka Pork Chop. Welcome back, fellow Defenders, to episode 148 of Defenders TV Podcast, where we are looking at aka Pork Chop, which is episode 10 of season 2 of Jessica Jones. I am one of your hosts, John. And I'm your other host for this episode, Derek. Yes, yes. Betrayal, shadiness, more betrayal, and generally just out-and-out nefariousness. Is that Chris you're talking about? No, no, I'm looking at Inez and Trish. Oh, sorry. Yes. 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 Unfortunately, Chris can't join us for this episode. Sorry, Chris. Yes, betrayal of Defenders TV podcast by Chris. <laughs> Not really. Yeah, uh, he just can't make this episode. But yes, um, I will destroy you, Inez. I cannot believe you've crushed my dreams, crashed my ship of hope for Jerry and you on the rocks of robbing and being generally just a little thief and con artist i definitely felt the rug being pulled from under your feet at that moment <laughs> in this episode yes we obviously are going to be talking about our spoiler filled thoughts about episode yes. 10 of it, jessica jones so hopefully you've seen the episode uh hopefully you have um i suppose less aka pork chop more aka spit roast really um here completely hogtied uh, and being burnt by the people who you thought um were they're with you. So mm-hmm. yes, Inez and Trish, I'm looking at you. <laughs> really interesting. Yeah, we're definitely going to get into that when we get into our points. Um, if you want to get access to everything that's available on Defenders TV Podcast, as usual, just pop on over to our website at DefendersTVPodcast.com. You can find us on any drunken or sober podcast catcher just by searching for Defenders TV Podcast or Marvel's Jessica Jones or Luke Cage or Daredevil anything just to find us over there Uh, you can also get access to our Doctor Strange Damnation series as we're doing a crossover event as we've mentioned a couple of times now with the Moon Knight podcast in Into the Night with Inner Demons the Ghost Rider podcast and with Sons of the Dragon the Immortal Iron Fist podcast just go over to our website at DefendersTVPodcast.com and you'll see links to all of the episodes that are in the series of Doctor Strange Damnation So yes, uh, if you are a fan of any of those comic book characters, please head on over. It has been really good fun connecting in with these characters, and especially for me, Doctor Strange, and indeed Iron Fist. I really enjoyed the Iron Fist uh, single issue Mm. tie-in here that was released recently. So yeah, really, really good. Um, So we hope you're enjoying uh, our coverage along with us as well. Mm Mm-hmm. We're at that point in our coverage of Jessica Jones that we're recording our episodes so that we can have two available every week ahead of the time when we're getting in feedback about our episodes. So we will be dropping in feedback here as usual. Uh, as we get it in, we'll drop it in a little bit later than our original recording for episode 10 of season two. So I hope you've been enjoying it and I hope you've been sending in your feedback either on our Facebook group or over to our email address at feedback at defenderstvpodcast.com. Yes, and if you want to send in some voicemails, if you too want to partake in the joys of podcasting and Defenders TV Podcast, you can head on over to DefendersTVPodcast.com and leave a voicemail by clicking on the right-hand side tab, and you can leave up to 90 seconds of your thoughts all about Jessica Jones Season 2. 
So with that, on with our first bit of feedback that has come in over on our Facebook group. Just search Defenders TV Podcast over on Facebook. Uh, assuming you still have your account, that is. <laughs> um, yes, Robert Phillips gives us some feedback from episode seven. I love this episode. He says, a sidestep to explore the world that made Jessica a grumpy grump. Quite reasonably, too. It was heartwarming to see that the young Jessica had rebuilt after the accident, and while not entirely law-abiding, was at least happy. While her mum may have killed Sterling, her life was probably saved by it. Mm, that's a really good point, actually. Yeah, look, we Jessica, as we said, doesn't realise how much Sterling was going to turn on her and make her work for the bad guys. Um, so, yes, possibly saved by it, but Jessica would never know that. And Robert finishes out with, and what a display of talent from the actors becoming their younger selves. I think we mentioned this at the time over on our episode seven podcast. You know, it really was the embodiment of these characters, but really played, you know, that little bit younger, the younger adult. Um, and indeed, whatever the, the makeup was, uh, it really made them appear much, much younger. I really love Jessica's kind of grungy young look. It mm -hmm. was really superb. Yeah, it's like the haircut just changes in or loses 10 years off their life. It's amazing. No need for um, plastic surgery when you have a good makeup department and a good hairstylist, is there? Well, yes, I can vouch for that. <laughs> and certainly. So thank you so much for the feedback, Robert. And please keep sending it in, fellow defenders. We love to hear your thoughts uh, on this season of Jessica Jones. And with that, over to some episode details. Derek, take us off. Yes, this episode was written by Aida Mashaka Crowell. You may remember her from uh, her episodes of Luke Cage. She did Blowing Up the Spot. And she wrote the episode You Know My Steez with Chio Hadari Coker, the showrunner for the show. So uh, definitely a trusted presence in the Marvel Netflix universe. She did also do uh, episode two of this season of Jessica Jones, Freak Accident, so, which we both really liked. Yeah. Yeah, they're really good. The episode was directed by Anissa Hardiman. She has not done any of the Marvel Netflix shows, but did do The Inhumans, episode six, the gentleman's name is Gorgon. I never unfortunately got to that episode of The Inhumans. Sadly, me neither. Hopefully we'll get there during the summer when we have a little bit of downtime, we'll get back to The Inhumans. Yes, or possibly not. I hope. I'm a bit of a completionist. I have to get there at some point. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for the episode? Sure. Hogarth arranges a plea deal for Alyssa to avoid the raft if she gives up Dr. Carl Malice's location. Alyssa agrees when Jessica promises to keep Malice safe. Elsewhere, Trish struggles with her botched television audition, but forges ahead with her own investigation when she overhears that the superpowered killer has been caught. Her investigation takes a new twist after Jessica explains everything to her and Malcolm, but tells them to stay away. Thanks to a cryptic conversation with her mother involving a sex hotel and fantasy rooms, Jessica finds Malice and convinces him to go to a country with no extradition so Alyssa can take Hogarth's deal without betraying him. During their conversation, Malice tells Jessica that he never treated a person called Shane Ryback. She passes this information to Hogarth, who dismisses the notion. But arriving home, Hogarth discovers Inez and Ryback gone and her apartment trashed and robbed. In this heartbreaking moment, she realises she was not cured of her ALS condition. Meanwhile, assisted by an unwitting Malcolm, Trish goes against Jessica's wishes for selfish reasons and tracks Malice to his hotel room, but her intervention may damage Jessica's carefully constructed plan. 
As Jessica finalizes Carl's new forged passport, courtesy of Oscar, she discovers that Elisa is being tormented by one of her guards, Dale Holiday. Investigating him, Jessica finds evidence that he is a hunter who murders inmates to add to his collection. When Jessica goes to confront him to warn him off her mother, he attacks her and she accidentally kills him in self-defense. Great synopsis there, John. I have to admit, when I was watching this episode, my notes were all over the place because I couldn't think of the right thing to focus on. And I think that was the intention because you're supposed to be turned away from the fact that Dale Holiday could be a bigger deal for the character in here. Let's get into our case notes for the episode. Definitely. Case note one, because I think this is the one that had you on your knees crying in the middle Absolutely. of the room watching the episode. Who is Carl Ryback? Jerry and the Khan. Well, I don't know whether I can really say it on this podcast with its language uh, restrictions. But <laughs> certainly, he is, along with Inez, a con man um, and just a general bad guy. Yeah, this was, as I say, it crashed my hopes on the rocks um, that Inez and Jerry would kind of come together. It really looked like this was happening. Um, and really, we find that Carl Rybeck is no one from IGH. Mm-hmm. Um Dr. Malice tells Jessica that he never treated anyone by this name. He's never heard of him and has no idea of his special ability that has been built up by Inez, Jerry, and the infamous Rybeck as well. So, um, you know, really what we learn here is that this has been a huge trick and, and con to confuse Jerry and to lure her into a false sense of security where effectively she has got two strangers in her own home. Um, and unfortunately we see this huge moment where, you know, after receiving that information from Jessica, um, she comes back and the apartment is trashed. Things are turned over. Her jewelry has gone. Uh, paintings have been stolen. Everything has just been rifled through by Ryback and Inez. I'm presuming this. There could be some alternate universe where Inez has been taken captive, but it's <laughs> looking very much like Inez was the initial con woman who, finding out about Jerry's condition, has gotten her ex-boyfriend, um, a con man, um, in prison, out of prison by one of the most expensive lawyers, and then they have effectively robbed her of all her material wealth, and the worst part about it, have emotionally betrayed her yeah. in terms of what Jerry thought um, she was getting with Inez, and in terms of her condition, uh, ALS, which she thought she was cured of. And you see that moment where she curls up in a ball, crying and desperate, um, after realizing the truth of these two people that she had pinned her hopes on. So hopefully there is still time for Danny Rand to come in and use his chi to... um cure her of her als like i theorized before <laughs> that would My be th- that would be a nice touch it would be a really nice touch but as you say this is really shocking to me i didn't expect it to happen i think chris had been talking about it as well do we really trust inez i think he had that kind of speculation on one of the earlier episodes and we were i think probably very hopeful for their relationship and for a change in jerry uh, to happen so that's probably why we didn't suspect that this was going to happen from inez I was completely shocked by this and fair dues to the writers. When you think back on the previous episodes, there were a number of clues in this. 
that we just didn't expect from Inez. As you mentioned, John, she was stealing from Jerry to begin with. She was going to leave her and go back out on the streets after stealing all of her jewellery. And then she finds out about the medication. And we thought this was her taking pity on Jerry. But actually, when you reread it, she's going, wow, I can get so much more than some pitiful pieces of jewellery. I can take everything off this woman. Like, shocking moment, really. Oh, big time. It it just uh, crushed me. I really like the idea of these two together and completely mm. sucked in by the previous writing. So this this came completely from left field for yeah. me. It was that moment when Malice says, I've never heard of this person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never treated anyone like this and I've never heard of anyone with these healing abilities. So yeah, I was like, uh-oh, oh, no. oh no. But initially I did think it was just him and maybe... Um, but then you immediately think, well, it can't be because she is saying that she was healed uh, by him with this broken back um, and all the, the damage that she uh, got from being flung against that cabinet. Yeah. So, again, probably a false story. Uh, so, yeah, this is um, this is a really big deal, I think, because, you know, Jerry was on a on a new path. You see this earlier in the show as well, where she actually is trying to get call malice reprieved in some way because she thinks with these kinds of powers other people should benefit from them like she has done so it's really interesting hearing you talk in the last um podcast about how skeptical you were about this healing power that it seemed very different from what jessica and her mum had uh so yeah yeah and, and as i said in the episode it seemed like they were bringing magic into the jessica jones show it seemed like a little bit of a jump but I still didn't suspect it was a whole huge con done by Inez and Carl Ryback here. I just suspected that they were trying to broaden the horizons for Jessica Jones as a TV show. I did like that moment with Jessica talking to Jerry when Jerry's saying, I've changed and I've changed for the better. I'm a healed woman. I'm not going to be the same old Jerry that I was in the past. And Jessica's saying to her two things in a sentence back to her. She says, I don't think you have changed, Jerry. And she is talking about both the fact that she doesn't think she's cured because she's found out that information. And she also thinks that when Jerry finds this out, Jerry's going to go back to her same brutal self as she was in the past because she's been betrayed by this person that she let into her home and into her life. That's really interesting. I thought this could have been a step towards the comic book. Jerry Hogarth, who is a male counterpart of uh, Iron Fist, who works directly for Danny Rand and is a much more upbeat character, very much the Foggy Nelson of the Iron Fist kind of universe, much more upbeat in some of the iterations. I thought this could have been the step towards Jerry being redeemed as a character and a much lighter character. So now you see all this stuff being pulled out from under. If we do see Jerry for a lot longer, if there is a cure for this, is she going to be this version of Jerry, this dark, untrusting character will she continue that path because this whole thing has been pulled out from under it's funny because in fairness to to jerry as well in that moment that we see in this episode she looks absolutely crushed and and without hope Mm. but i suspect inez and ryback really need to be careful here because um we've heard of her tales from being brought up in in a trailer without any money and what she's built and she is probably going to go after these uh two 
without any mercy. So it'd be interesting to see what happens. Indeed, whilst uh, Inez was looking for a bigger payday, I, I think she may get a payday that she wasn't expecting when Jerry catches up with them. Uh, so this is definitely one to watch in these last three episodes, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, let's go on to case, no- case number two, John. Trisha's investigation. Yes, Trish. I mean, she is having pretty big problems uh, with the withdrawal from her IGH drug. And, uh, you know, she bombs in the ZCN practice run as TV anchor. She's she's fluffing her lines. She really is um, acting out, as the guy says, like a Barbie. He goes, we have 10 Barbies with a microphone on this network. Show me you're not one of them. Yeah. You know, he's expecting that pumped up Trish uh, from when she quit Trish talk. Trish is really suffering from her addiction problems here. But we kind of start to see um, Trish almost say that you know she's aware she's become addicted she knows that malcolm knows she's aware that uh jessica is um suspicious here but ultimately it looks like all of this is a cover from what we see here she's really playing both jessica and malcolm by saying that she knows she was addicted and she's now trying to push through these addiction problems that she's clean and she's trying to build from that so it's really interesting here because ultimately trish has got her own agenda and she goes down her own investigative path which kind of puts her on a collision course with both jessica and given what she does to malcolm Mm -hmm. uh, i suspect she's not going to be forgiven if um she upsets Jessica's plans for trying to keep her mum out of the raft and protect Dr. Carl for the sake of her mum. And Malcolm has been sold down the river here mm-hmm. by, by Trish. And in effect, Trish has conned him. You know, she's bedded him again to really use um, an emotional aspect and physical aspect to get him on board. She's forced him to go rifling through Jessica's um, laptop and her case notes as well. So, you know, I mean, I was there kind of going, Malcolm, uh, what are you doing here? I was kind of really disappointed with Malcolm doing what he was doing. Yes, it was to help Trish, but you know, we'd had that moment where Jessica had kind of brought them around, told them everything about, um, her and her mum and that she was the killer, Dr. Carl and IGH. And yet they both went against it. But ultimately, uh, Malcolm was being sold a lie here uh, by by Trish. Yeah, it's a really interesting one. I, I do know a lot about addiction from family members and from friends who've worked in that area and family members who've worked in that area and gone through some of these kind of issues. It's one of those interesting things about addicts that they know exactly that path to get off the addiction, but they also can use that path to twist everything around them to get back to the thing that they're addicted to. That's what we see here from Trish. She knows exactly the right buttons to push. Uh, Part of our case note number three, I suppose, as well, this kind of mixes the two of them, Trish's investigation and Malcolm and Trish's reaction to Jessica telling the truth. What we see from Malcolm is that he's totally aware that she is addicted like he was, but he doesn't want to give in to her, but he knows he can't resist her. So almost like he's replacing one addiction with another. It's in fact what he says to uh, to her, I'm not strong enough to take on you instead of my addiction because both of us will go down that path again together. And then she uses that against him because she knows how to get him to do exactly what she wants him to do. And we believe, obviously, at this point, the reason why she wants to get a Carl Malice is to make some more of this uh 
drug for her to take effectively, despite the fact that she goes and has analyzed and finds out that this thing can cause huge side effects, that if they knew exactly what would have caused it, the person who does the analysis on, on the drug says we would instantly have reported this to the FBI and the police to get this person arrested because no human should be ingesting this. Even though she knows that, she still seems to want to get to Caramalis and get him to make the drug for her again. Yeah, what do you I, think? Yeah, and indeed, she had asked the the lab that was testing it to synthesize it if they could again. Like, they had taken those down as notes and she's having to backtrack. So mm-hmm. she is absolutely focused on, on this drug here now. And this is clouding her judgment and what she is doing to some of her closest friends and allies within the show. So really, really good. I think the great thing here is what we see when Trish goes to confront Alyssa um, is that Alyssa calls this out. She says that you are jealous and you wanted Jessica to use the powers that she had been given. You were jealous that you hadn't got those powers and Jessica wasn't using them, didn't want to use them, actually wanted to be normal like you. And you felt betrayed by that. You felt like this was a betrayal of what Jessica could be, could do, and what you wanted to be. And so this is all about trying to service yourself to be effectively to become Hellcat in, is, as to what she wants to do. It's interesting, isn't it? Because that's almost speaking back to the flashback episode in season one. I think it was uh, The Sandwich Saved Me, uh, that episode where we see Trish find out or talk about the superpowers with Jessica and bring home that jewel costume to try and make Jessica dress up like a superhero and run out. Uh, just exactly the way that she would do is effectively the point that we hear that Trish would become the superhero just like Captain America or anybody else if she was given superpowers. This is why she's grasping on so tightly to IGH because she feels now she has an opportunity to be the superhero like Jessica or better than Jessica almost is the way that it's seen here. And Alyssa does call it out really strongly and that's why she seems to go on to the thing of I wish I'd killed you when I had the opportunity, Trish, because this is what you're like. You'll use everybody, step over everybody, even your own sister who you say you love to get to this superhero thing that you seem to want. Quite interesting. Yeah, definitely. I love those scenes with Alyssa in the prison and Trish because it's really, they're both really protective on either side of Jessica, but which one do you side with? Is it the new mother that's come back into her life? Is it the woman that's known her all of her life, but is jealous of her? You know, it's it's a really good scene. Really enjoyed it. It seems like this episode, a lot of episode 10 seem to be bringing characters together that hadn't been together in the previous episodes and giving really good moments between them. We've kind of combined our case note number two and number three there. It is obviously quite interesting with Trish getting to Carl Malice's place, knocking out Malcolm with the back of a gun and then going off on her own. So that's why we suspect that this is obviously to get the drugs from Carl Malice. Let's move on to case note number four, John. Oscar trying to calm Jessica. I think just this is quite important for the show overall because it kind of shows the tender side of Jessica. She doesn't let anybody in. I was wondering, she has that moment where she gets the phone call from Oscar. He's trying to calm her down. He's using the normal platitudes of, don't worry, it'll all get better in the future. It'll all be fine. She doesn't fall for it, but says, I don't want to be in a position where I just get one day a month with my mother. I need something more than that. Then she says she's going to leave the apartment and walk out. But Oscar comes up to meet her, or comes down to meet her from his apartment upstairs in the lift. 
And there's just that moment where she crumbles in his arms. And I just think it's really important for Jessica to have that moment because it does feel like a lot of her friends are on different journeys and a lot of things are going on throughout this series. She's had a lot to deal with and she doesn't really, she's never really been that character that would reach out for a hug when necessary. But it shows that Jessica does need it just like everybody else does. And I think it's kind of important to see that other side of her. And that's really what Oscar's point is in the show overall. Really, like he does have quite a big function, obviously, being able to to fraudulently produce documents. He's done it three times now, I think. Um, That's kind of part of the reason why his character has been kept involved. But I think from a storytelling point of view, it's really important to see these kind of things take a bit of a toll on Jessica and not just her crying on her own or going to a bar and getting drunk on her own, that she can occasionally open up to another human being is important for the character. Yeah, and I think Oscar connects really strongly with Sterling from the flashback episode. Mm -hmm. In that flashback episode, we see Jessica with someone who she loves and she trusts. He's not perfect, and he potentially could send her off down a dangerous route, uh, given the company that he's in. But here, similarly, we have Oscar, who, too, has been in prison. Yeah. You know, he's a forger. He could be asked by anyone to, to forge documents that could put heat on him. Um, but he is someone that she is starting to um, trust and and care for in the same way as Sterling. And it's seeing what she had in the past, a glimpse of that to see what Oscar can provide in the now and possibly for the future. And unless, uh, you know, something really bad doesn't happen. So I think Oscar's really important for that role in Jessica's life, for sure. And he does give us the big question, really, that we've been asking throughout the series. Will he be part of her life when this story is over? Jessica says when this is all over, she's just going to go back to drinking, sleeping, and taking photographs of people cheating. That's her life. And that's why he asked the question, because there was no comment about Oscar. There was no comment about Viso. There was no comment about, oh, it's great to have somebody else in my life. Jessica still isn't willing to give that side of herself over. So I do wonder, will we see a breakup between these two or will we see something bad happen to Oscar? Does she still think I can't get close to anybody in case something bad happens to them? And I'm wondering if there's been any kind of healing for Jessica in here. Has Oscar provided any of that? Will we get any of that towards the end of the season? I think certainly um, after an evening spent with Oscar, it seemed to have got the old synapses firing because this is where Jessica thinks about how to um, square the circle, really. And I think mm-hmm. this brings us on to case note five, which is the deal to avoid uh, the raft uh, from Alyssa, which is, you know, Alyssa is not willing to give up Carl. For her, yes, it may be a bit of um, Stockholm syndrome, mm-hmm. but he is the person who has calmed her down, tried to treat her, kept her drugged, looked after her, and um, after performing the genetic work on her that saved her life so there is an element of she feels grateful for this i still wonder to what extent it might be stockholm syndrome but we find out here that the two of them got married uh, at this sexy hookup hookery (laughs) hotel in paradise suite you know where all your fantasies can come true in the most sickly sweet and pinkish environment so She's not willing to um, take that deal where she's going to have to give up Carl Malice. Yeah. And really what we find out is that, you know, if she doesn't do this, it's going to be the raft. If she takes the deal, it's a visitation rights plea um, within uh, a normal prison and facility where she can still get to see Jessica. Jessica's idea 
is to use the forging abilities of Oscar so that he can forge a new passport for Carl Malisk and she will get him away to a country where he can't be extradited back to the US. So it allows her mum to absolutely talk and wax lyrical about Carl Malice in order to fulfill the plea that Jerry is here as the attorney mm-hmm. to get this special case for Alicia. So um, it's really down to that maybe calming influence of, of Oscar. If Jessica had gone off and just gotten drunk in the bar like she was planning to do before uh, he kind of intervened, then maybe this wouldn't have come to her at that moment. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I know we talked about the raft kind of as a note a couple of uh, episodes ago, just the idea of what the raft is. But just in case you don't remember Captain America's Civil War, the end of that is where all of Steve's associates on his side of Civil War are taken away, captured and put into this facility specifically purpose built to hold superhumans um, and stop them from getting out. And it's also away from a city it's out in the middle of the ocean effectively so no way you'll ever be able to get anybody going to visit you after that we see they stayed there for a few weeks after uh after civil war finished i suppose um but it is quite interesting that they are leaning into this it's quite a big part of the marvel universe um in the comic books and now in the cinematic universe having this thing of the raft so it's quite cool that they're mentioning it but quite cool that they're using this idea The one thing I do wonder about is the other big thing from Civil War, the Sokovia Accords, where a superhuman has to sign up and agree to be monitored and have all of their, um, all of their super abilities taken and recorded by the government. It's not mentioned by name, but I think that's what they keep referring to as the much higher ups above the normal court system, the normal DA's office. The much higher ups are telling Jerry that they need all this information about Alyssa and about Dr. Carl Malice potentially to use Carl Malice to create new, a new superhuman army in the future, which is what I was waiting for them to say. It's just, it's on the tip of everybody's tongue yeah. that there's some government organization who's going, hang on a second, he created a really violent killer by using his work. He also created Jessica Jones. Maybe we can use his work to create a new army of superhumans to form a superhuman force. It's just on the tip of your tongue. It's just on the tip of everybody's tongue as they're talking. But I'm wondering if this is where they may be going with this. Will we hear about the shadowy organization in the government at all in the future? Who knows? But certainly that is lurking there in the background for sure. Um, Another person who is lurking in the background. Yeah, we see here Dale Holiday, who seems to be um, the guard who's in charge of Alyssa while she's there in this prison. Mm. Um, And he's pretty strict. Um, There seems to be a moment where, you know, he talks about his background, that his father had also been to to jail. uh, And he says that, he could either leave whole or leave in pieces. And Alyssa changes this onto him after he's trying to force her to eat um, meat here. She's a vegetarian. She doesn't want anything to eat. And he's being really insistent. And you're kind of like, okay, why? You normally wouldn't get that. They would say, yeah. oh, if you don't want to eat, you go hungry and, and take it away. But in the end, this forces her... She really goes after him. It looks like she's about to break his neck as well, but she comes out and uses his own words towards him, saying, you can leave whole or leave in pieces, but one thing you'll never do is control me. And this is where we see that 
actually he has this personality that he really wants to dominate the people that he is in charge of in prison. It's really this master and servant uh, role. Mm -hmm. And he is on a power trip here. And it really does take a brutal turn for the worse. I mean, to begin with, I initially thought he was going to stay away from her, but he actually steps up and does revenge against her by having her tied down, electrocuting her repeatedly, and then feeding her this meat uh, that she doesn't want to have. Uh, and all of a sudden you go, this is a nasty, brutal uh, piece of work. Who is threatening this really strong, strong-powered uh, lady? Yeah, yeah. And it is interesting. There have been bits of this in various uh, issues of comic books before where people take the opportunity to abuse superhuman people because they feel they're different from them. We see it a lot from X-Men, for example. Those storylines in the mutant universe tend to be about the humans abusing mutants. And that's what I thought this was going to be. A nice twist here, I think, for the show. A nice twist here that actually it turns out he's a Dexter-like serial killer who keeps trophies of the people he's forced to either kill themselves or the people he's murdered. That's quite... A nice change. I thought, I must say, I thought it was a really good choice for the show to go this way because you've seen this in loads of shows where you have the brutal guard who's forcing the inmate that you kind of have sympathy for to do things against their will. You've seen that in, in loads and loads of movies. I just like the idea that he's effectively a hunter. He's a serial killer. Yeah, and Jessica goes after him, investigating him, because she notices the burns around her mother's wrist mm. from all the electrocution that he's kind of had created special um binds that provides a taser-like shock of electricity yeah. so that he can control her further. Yeah, he said they got them sent in, didn't they, special just for her. Yeah, and in Jessica's investigation, she pretends that he's one um, employee of the month, which obviously he would never do, uh -huh. uh, judging by what we learn about him, in order to get information from the person on the other end of the line. And this is when we find out that under his watch... He was actually fired previously because of so many suicides that had occurred to inmates under his control. Mm -hmm. um, and then when Jessica goes to investigate his house, um, she finds all the old inmate tags and numbers that, that they had had in prison. But she has tripped a sensor in there and he's returned from wherever he was leaving before Jessica uh goes in to start rifling through his drawers. And it, it's really um, interesting because ultimately what we get here is um, the death of Dale Holiday by Jessica. It is in self-defense. Mm -hmm. She has been sprayed with pepper spray yeah. and she is dazed on the floor and he is kicking her, beating her with his truncheon, uh, punching her. And ultimately, when she manages to get his truncheon off her, um, the power with which she hits him across the head seems to kill him. Yeah, and we don't even know whether she was aiming for his head. We don't, don't know what she was actually aiming for. She was obviously just trying to get him off her yeah really interesting this is the second murder that jessica's committed and at the beginning of the season we see her dealing with the murder of kilgrave even though that was the most justifiable killing as we talked about in season one it's the most justifiable killing we've seen in probably the marvel universe you don't get too many killings in the marvel universe but that seemed like the most justifiable now she's just killed someone in self-defense um i wonder what impact it's going to have on jessica despite the fact that obviously it was in self-defense will this have a bigger impact on jessica yeah, I mean, who knows? Has she been reset with regards to Kilgrave and, and having 
dealt with his his murder by her and here will she see it as just straight out self-defense mm. or will the death of another person at her hands really um come back and haunt her again maybe this is why um we see the flashbacks with Kilgrave because of this second killing and it ties in to the parallels of Kilgrave's death yeah yeah exactly so yeah i think on to our note uh now um so the name of the episode, aka Pork Chop, I was kind of wondering what on earth does this reference? Um, but it's about the fact that Alyssa is vegetarian and is being forced by Dale Holiday to eat uh, the meat that she doesn't want in this really sort of threatening and nasty way. Yeah. And um, so. That's where we think the pork chop comes from. Oh, it's definitely that. I think we, the reason why I was calling it out was that in episode nine, we mentioned that every single episode, the, the titles had been pretty self-explanatory because somebody in the episode says the line. They don't actually say the word pork chop in this episode. It, he just keeps saying, you haven't eaten your protein, you're going to eat it. But it's just to call out because we were wondering where... They got the title for the episode fairly straightforward. Yeah, I mean, at least it wasn't called AKA Liver and Onions, um, <laughs> which would have been equally horrendous. It certainly yes. would have been, especially for a vegetarian. Uh, John, any other notes about the episode? Yeah, um, I really do like when uh, Jessica says to Trish, you know, she is my mother, mine to deal with, you don't get to have a say. Mm. And I think the fact that Trish then because of her addiction, because of the need to try and find more of this IGH uh, drug, at least that's what we assume, and goes completely against this, you know, goes to see her mom, goes to try and track down Carl Malice, uses Malcolm, um, and effectively betrays Jessica as well, because she can't stay out of this because of what lies potentially at the end for her, which is a source of this drug that she desperately needs. So I really like that that moment. I must say I love Jessica building trish up early on in the episode where she's saying to her effectively why do you need my superpowers is the kind of the conversation they're having and going you almost took down igh with a patsy wig and a cell phone you know it's like it's kind of jessica going do you realize how bloody good at this you are and how how much talents you actually have that all you needed was a wig and a cell phone to take down a huge organization you don't need superpowers i like that kind of discussion between the two of them because as we know from all the way throughout this season and last season jessica doesn't want to be superpowered she got them without asking for them and trish knows that as well yeah absolutely i think um it's a really good contrast between whether to be powered or non-powered and what you can actually do yeah my only other note is malcolm i love the fact that he owns the use of the drug. He doesn't blame Trish as such. He yes. says he took it. However, he is really annoyed, you know, and when asked, oh, can we still be friends by Trish? He goes, I don't think so. I had a little bit of a problem with the soap opery hookup. You know, I was like, what are they doing? What is happening? But ultimately it's that, you know, both Malcolm and Trish are filling a void as a result of this uh, addiction mm-hmm. and, and the hole that has been left there. Um, and ultimately, Malcolm is being tricked and conned into helping her. And so he is, in my view, you know, the the party that's been most abused here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm really glad they went down this road because initially I was thinking... I don't understand Malcolm's motivations here because ultimately Trish is using Malcolm here. I think they played the scene really well because effectively it's exactly the same scene that happened with the inhaler two episodes ago 
with Trish going, I've got the inhaler in front of him and him taking total responsibility that I took it. I took it off you. You didn't force it on me. I'm the one that took it. It's exactly the same thing. He's saying, he said to her earlier on in the episode, we can't be together. We're both addicted. We can't fill our addiction hole with each other. And then she comes back to his door again and he goes, Oh, screw it. I might as well. <laughs> Basically, it's exactly the same reaction he had to her presenting the inhaler in front of him. Um, so he's taking responsibility for that. I do think they're probably not going to be friends after getting knocked out by the butt of a gun and being thrown into the boot of a car. I do think that's probably a little death knell on the friendship between Trish and Malcolm. Yeah, I mean, I really want to see Trish um, get punished here yeah. by Malcolm and, and Jessica for, for what she's doing. You know, she says, you're not telling me anything, you're not involving me, and then she's going off and doing this. And it's because of her addiction, I understand that. But she's really um, going against her friendships here. Uh, so yeah, it's a really interesting storyline. Uh, and I love seeing this degradation of Trish, um, like I said on the last episode. Mm-hmm. So Derek, do you defend Jessica Jones episode 10, aka Pork Chop? Do you know, when I watched this first time, as I mentioned earlier on, p- putting my notes together on it, I couldn't get the focus of the episode. But after sitting down and thinking about it, and even having this discussion now, I really do feel that a show like Jessica Jones needs episodes like this. The way I was thinking of it was, when you're reading a 10-issue comic book, you do have issues that kind of stray off and tell a bit more story about what Jessica Jones is like when she's investigating something else, when there's something else going on. And it is interesting that the main part of this episode, 10 episodes into the show, is actually about Dale Halliday abusing her mother and what Jessica does to stop him from doing that. And I think it's a little bit of good character development for Jessica, a little bit of an extra story on top of the main storyline. It's impossible to have a TV show, 12 episodes or 13 episodes long, that just focus on one single story or... Maybe not impossible, but pretty boring if it was just one storyline. It was IGH from episode one to maybe episode six, and that's the end of it. And you never see anything more of them for two years, and that's your whole character. I like the idea that we're getting extra storylines on top of the IGH storyline. I think it's important. It makes the world feel realistic. So I do defend this episode for that reason. Off the top, I wanted to hear what was going on. I wanted to get the story from IGH. I wanted the Carl Malice stuff. That was all in there as well, but I like that we get some extra stuff. And without doubt, Jerry and the heartbreak that she feels at being betrayed by Inez, at not being cured, which is even more difficult for her because she thought, I've now restarted my life. I've set myself up with someone that I can spend the rest of my life with as well. She felt like a changed character and how much this is going to affect Jerry is really important because it affected me and I'm only watching a TV show. So, yes, I definitely defend this episode. John, do you defend Jessica Jones season two, episode 10, a.k.a. Porkchop? I do defend this episode of Jessica Jones. I give it four hooker hotels out of five. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, for me... I really enjoyed this episode. I love the continuing manipulation by Trish. I mean, she really is going all out to destroy everyone around her because of her single focus on her addiction and the need to sustain it uh, by getting the IGH drug. That's what's sending her after Dr. Carl Malice, even though Jessica has told her to stay away. And Malcolm ultimately is going to rue the day that he helped her because he's been used and tricked by her. A con merchant here for for Trish. Yeah. And then there's the next set of con merchants 
Inez and Rybeck and mm-hmm. what they do to Jerry. So, so crushing for Jerry. Um, I really, really felt it. I had no sense that this was going to happen until Carl Malice says those infamous words that he's never treated anyone by that name, yeah. Ryback. And, you know, to see Jerry sort of crushed in that way it was also crushing for me i really i've really been rooting for jerry uh, in this season despite all her negative traits um you really got the sense that she was on a new path as she explains to jessica uh, in this episode so i i love that um i thought the prison guard and Alyssa was a really interesting look at power relationships Mm. um within institutions and how they can be quickly turned and again jessica struggling uh, to do the best for a mom in a really difficult situation really came to the fore here so absolutely uh, i defend this episode of jessica jones excellent job good stuff Uh, as i said hopefully we'll have some more feedback to plug in here for this episode of jessica jones we've really been enjoying it Hey there, fellow defenders, just Derek here for the feedback for this episode. Want to make sure I get as much of your feedback into our episodes as we go for the last few that we have for Jessica Jones. So keep sending them into us. Uh, we'll be recording our last two episodes in the next week. So get them all into us about your thoughts about Jessica Jones season two. Claire Payne came over to our Facebook group about episode six, aka FaceTime and the reveal of Alyssa Jones. Claire said, just finished watching this brilliant episode. I just love how Jessica threw the security men off the golf course. I expect that private club has never had so much excitement. Claire says, Malcolm's ex-girlfriend was wearing an awful jumper, but a beautiful painting of Jessica asleep. Trish sleeping with Malcolm didn't really surprise me, but the ending I did not expect. Yeah, I think everybody at the end of this episode, the reveal of Alyssa Jones was a shock to the system for everybody. As for Malcolm's ex-girlfriend, I think she was wearing one of Malcolm's jumpers, so probably a pretty poor choice from him. Thanks for that feedback, Claire. Jamie Young also came out to our Facebook group about episode 9, aka Shark in the Bathtub, Monster in the Bed. Jamie says... Forgot to comment on this sooner, but I felt like the pacing really took a nosedive in this episode. I don't usually complain about the pacing of these Marvel shows, but I found myself wanting the show just to get on with things already. Yeah, there was a little bit of a pause in episode 9. I still enjoyed it, still thought it was a really interesting episode. And I really have to say, this is one of my favourite Janet McTeer episodes. She had such a great sense of humour in this episode. Uh, So personally, really enjoyed it, but I know there's points within these individual episodes where they can feel slow and taken in isolation. Thanks for that, Jamie. Robert Phillips also commented on on this episode. He says, but what? No, you can't go from being told by your mom halfway through an episode that you weren't the reason she was lost to you, only to end up being the reason she is lost to you. There are some hard-hearted writers out there. (laughs) He says, also, Jerry is magnificently consistent in her approach to life. If it suits me and I can share pleasure with others, I will. But if others are upset by what suits me, hard luck, cracking acting too. Yeah, Carrie-Anne Moss is doing such a bang-up job as Jerry in this season. Really, really enjoy her. Really enjoy seeing that darker side of her times as well. And finally, Robert says, While the foreshadowing of You'll Still Be His Mom in Prison to Oscar's Wife by Jessica may be a tad heavy-handed for those with any degree of subtlety, it didn't land on me until she came out of the building with an excuse along the lines of Did he get away, Mom? 
Yeah, it's amazing. Sometimes you just don't pick up the little things that are dropped by the writers of the episodes. Thanks so much for that feedback. As I said, make sure that you send in your feedback for the last couple of episodes to us at feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com. We'd love to hear your voice. If you want to go over to our website at DefendersTVPodcast.com, you can record up to 90 seconds of your thoughts about the season of Jessica Jones or come over and join us in our Facebook group at Facebook.com slash groups slash DefendersTVPodcast. Thanks so much for that feedback. Please head on down to subscribe, rate, and leave a review of Defenders TV podcast. Share the love uh, by sharing the podcast to friends, family, mates, pets, you name it. Uh, head on over to DefendersTVPodcast.com and go to the subscribe section there where you can choose any good or evil, drunken or sober podcast catcher of your choice. Just search Defenders TV Podcast and hopefully we shall pop in to your device and you can listen to our dulcet tones as we cover Jessica Jones Season 2. Yeah, only three more episodes of Jessica Jones to go. Yeah. Yeah, we'll be back next week with our review of Jessica Jones Season 2, Episode 11, a.k.a. Three Lives and Counting. Mm, interesting stuff. Yeah, looking forward to that one. Thanks so much for joining. We'll talk to you next time. As always, thank you so much for listening. I'm off to find Inez and destroy her. <laughs> but once I have destroyed her, we'll speak with you next time when we cover Jessica Jones, episode 11. Bye. Bye. <laughs>